Welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast of Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop gaming, and nerd culture in general. I'm Rob Mackey, joined as always by Mike Daniel. Hi Mike, how's it going? Hey Rob, I'm doing great, how are you? I'm not bad. So uh, today uh, we're going to be talking about downtime uh, in Dungeons and Dragons and how to make it cool and fun. We spent the past couple of weeks mostly talking about combat and, uh, you know, ruining some monsters day and uh, (laughs) ruining your player characters days as well. Mostly ruining your players days. Yeah. Yeah. And while that was all fun and good, it was it was pretty stressful, you know, some pretty like high tension type stuff. So we're going to take a step back, you know, curl yeah, up at the tavern, take the a few a deep breaths. Yeah. Just kind exactly. of relax, you know, yeah. move about... your shoulders around, you know, you know, those little like shoulder circles <laughs> things. They kind of like, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Just talking about some downtime today and things that you can do as a dungeon master and as a player a little bit as well to um, make downtime more interesting and more enjoyable for for everyone at the table. Um, So we'll just kind of kick things off here. I'm actually, as we get started, I am going to reference some things that we talked about in our Dungeon Masters Tips episodes and kind of flesh those out a little bit here as well. Um, number one being the uh, the one cheater prep sheet, which I think I mentioned or at least kind of got into a little bit. I'll, I'll expound on that more here. Um, and this is actually st- something that I stole from Chris Perkins, the uh, one of the lead adventure writers of Dungeons and Dragons and lead designers, um, fifth edition anyway. Um, it's uh, a just a, a one sheet that you write up at the beginning or before each session. Um, particularly useful when you have downtime or kind of time in between some adventures. Um, and what you want to do with that is just have a single document that you can have up with a list of things that you can reference and pull from during that adventure or during that session. Um, so this can include things like generic NPCs, um, you know, if you come up with some ideas for people that might exist in your town or in your world somewhere, but you don't have them completely defined. That way, when the party needs to go to a certain location, like a temple or a shop, or they need to go see a crafter, you can just reference that sheet, pull something from it real quick, and then you have, you know, that NPC that they're interacting with in that place. Um, Speaking of places, you can also put locations that might you know pop up if you think of some names of some cool shops or funny things that you want to throw at your players there you can put them on that sheet as well Um, and then i always like to have you know a bullet point list of a few things that i want to make happen during that session too like if there are story elements that i want to bring in or you know if i have some threads that i've been weaving throughout the campaign i'm not ready to you know unveil everything just yet but i want the players to start tugging on them you know i want to put a bullet list for each of those things so that i remember to bring them up in the event or in the course of events that happen you know during this downtime um so yeah that's that's my like first 
point is have some sort of reference that you can have and quickly pull from to just throw random things at at your players or you know seemingly random things at your players sometimes mm. as well interesting i'm kind of in a weird way i'm having some like conceptual like errors in trying to conceive of what this sort of sheet looks like i'm guessing to uh, to a certain extent it can kind of be whatever you think is going to be most useful mm -hmm. yeah and do you, so, so like when you do it do you just like do you just have like a section of like npc do you just like have like their names or like yeah just kind so of what they're I'll, good good question so I'll, I'll have like a section on this sheet that's like npcs and then i'll throw some names down there and then i'll take a few minutes to figure out a few details about each npc like what their race is maybe one interesting little quirk or something that uh, is unique about that npc um but i won't necessarily say like this person is a shopkeeper or this person is a wizard or this person is a town guard i can just kind of put those labels on them as they come up in the course of the downtime events because a lot of downtime is going to be more uh sort of player controlled in a way uh your players are going to be doing things that they want to do in between their sessions right? or in, the, in between their like big adventures in downtime so you kind of need to uh, in, in a little bit of a way hand the reins over to them and sort of let them guide where they want to go and what they want to do so that's why you have this list of like you know sort of random stuff that you can throw in or plug in at these different locations that they're visiting does that make sense yeah so you uh you you yeah you kind of have the NPCs without like roles really assigned to them, basically. Exactly. Kind of... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Cause sometimes I, uh, me personally, uh, I have a lot of problems sometimes with downtime. And especially since, uh, the last game that I GM'd, I w was set like in Forgotten Realms. And since, since mm -hmm. the setting already exists, my like brain tends to go with like okay so it doesn't matter as much where the pcs are specifically it doesn't matter if they're in baldur's gate or if they're in water deep or if they're in neverwinter or if they're somewhere else because mm -hmm. this sam this setting already exists there like is a fact of the matter about like what shops are here and like who the like important people are in this area and stuff like that for and sure it's it's kind of crippling in a way because i'm just like i don't <laughs> yeah. uh <laughs> what I, I would say to that is you know if you want to do the research and look into sort of the lore of the cities that you're in because it is established if you're in the forgotten realm so you know most of the villages are going to have something of a history that's up on like the Forgotten Realms wiki that you can go in and look up um, and get a lot of details from that. And, and certainly that's a way that you can fill out details on this one sheeter that you have. Um, or you can just have the, the wiki for that city pulled up on your screen as well and be able to reference that quickly. Um, but what, what I would say to your sort of um, uh, roadblock here is you know, don't worry too much about that because chances are your players aren't going to know half of the amount of lore that you know. Um, and they're not going to be 
they're not going to have the wiki in their head, right? Like they're not going to know sure. all of these shops that exist or all of these certain NPCs that exist in certain places. Um, so if you find out about a cool NPC and you want to drop them into your game, don't worry that the, you know, Forgotten Realms, Laura says, oh, well, this person lives in Baldur's Gate, but your party's in, you know, Neverwinter right now. Uh, if you want to throw him into Neverwinter, he can be there. He can have his, you know, abode there instead. It's it's your game and your world, so you don't have to worry too much about sticking to the lore 100%. Sure. And, like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I know I'm being crazy about this sort of thing, too. It's like, <laughs> I know this right. isn't, like, it's fine. You can make some stuff up, and it's okay. It's just one of those things I kind of get in my head about. Um, the, I'm glad you mentioned the Forgotten Realms wiki, and this is kind of a tangent though, because it is a very good resource, certainly, but, um, and listen, we here at 19 Hits the Dragon, we both like to keep things positive, mostly, you know, um, that's not <laughs> always possible, speaking, yeah. but yeah, we like to do it. Why is the Forgotten Realms wiki, why is everything in the past tense? I've always found that a little, like... It hmm. seems to be a clear stylistic choice, and I've always found it a bit jarring. Yeah, anyway, interesting. Good content, really but, like... I thought about that before, yeah, but, yeah, you're right. And, I mean, maybe it's because a lot of the stuff that's there is, like, in quotes, has happened in the past. Um, sure. Yeah. As like, though you're looking, you know, from ahead into the future, or from the future into the past of, like, you know dr 1492 or whatever year you're looking at there um so that could be it but who knows sure we that should just start editing wiki uh the forgotten realms wiki and put everything in present tense and see if anyone notices well i mean if i do that then i become like the new guy and i like start a flame war and i feel like <laughs> right yeah like <laughs> Yeah, like again, I say this with I say this with love, but like we all know how the internet rolls. If you change mm -hmm. something, now it's ruined. So, right, right. Anyway, that was, um, anyway, yeah, and and all something right. uh, just to kind of get us back on track here, circling back to another you know tidbit I had thrown out before um, is making good use of the I know a guy rule, uh, where you kind of allow your players to create npcs for you or with you um, when they need to have access to certain information or um, you know your rogue needs a contact that's in the thieves guild like just talk to them and ask them you know what would this person be because yeah sure your rogue probably has a contact in the thieves guild so you as the player tell me who this person is that you know and we'll kind of figure that out together and then i'll drop him somewhere and then you can go and visit that person and inter interact with them in whatever way you need to. Um, so allowing the players to partake in the world building again uh, makes it feel a lot more lived in to them and gives some depth to their characters as well. If they have these relationships, even if they're making them up kind of on the spot, you know, you can play on those things with the, the character and it can make for a lot of really good role play. Um, and that's that's really kind of the key to making downtime interesting is having fun role playing with your characters and with your players. Um, so, yeah, sure. And I would say, though, uh, with the um, with that system, though, I would make sure that like because my 
like my concern is that not every player is going to be super comfortable with it always. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and like most players I think are certainly comfortable with a bit of improvisation, but sometimes um, I can see how a player would feel like they were being put on the spot a bit okay. by that. Yeah, for sure. And so- um, like, I'm not saying this to anybody in particular, you know your players better than I certainly do. Um, cause yeah. So just make sure that, um, that's something that your players are generally comfortable with. Yeah, for, for sure. That's, that's something to let them know kind of in advance, generally speaking, or also, you know, if they, if you get the, the gist that like they might be uncomfortable coming up with too many details, maybe just ask them for a name or, you know, some small detail about a person. Right. And then you can kind of take that um, from there and, and build a character off of that. Um, so you, you don't necessarily need to, you know, squeeze every detail out of the character or out of your player on who this new character is. But if you can get them engaged in some way, at least, um, then that can, you know, sort of make a connection to the player and their character um, in that moment. For sure. And like, because uh, Mike in the game that he runs and I play and has done this, and I do like, I did like it a lot for that reason, because it got me to kind of think about like, as a player, it got me thinking about, so what kind, sort of people is my character friends with, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of people do that? do I, do I know and do I kind of like get along with and do I kind of have like kind of a rapport with if that makes sense for sure um and, and if you're worried about things getting too out of hand just remember that one you're the dm and you can make the call uh at any point if there's you know stuff that doesn't quite fit or things you're not comfortable with or other players aren't comfortable with that's your call to cut that out um and also another kind of like restriction that you can add into this is just having or only allowing character players to do that once per downtime session essentially um so you're limiting them a little bit not just giving them free reign to create you know all the npcs in this town that they're in for sure i think the once per rule is kind of good for the whole of downtime Mm -hmm. because when I've run downtime in the past and I think I've gotten better at this over time and over like several fraught sessions of, Oh God, I'm making this up. Oh God. What was that NPC's (laughs) name? I don't even remember. Oh God. These guys have like two weeks. What are they supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to keep it interesting? I did have this happen. The players had like two full entire calendar weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, of nothing to necessarily do and then i'd be like okay what's everybody doing today Uh uh-huh yeah Uh uh-huh okay anything else today all right well let's go to the next day then all right is there anything anybody wants to do today Uh uh-huh uh-huh not really okay (laughs) yeah and repeat like 14 times this took like this took like two sessions at least yeah, so, maybe so closer a, to three and a, a way to kind of uh, avoid that or mitigate some of that is just knowing how much or how focused in you want the microscope to be right so maybe you do focus in on you know one particular day that everybody's doing it you know these things um and then you you know after you wrap up with that you kind of you know 
open the iris of the microscope a little bit. I don't think that's the correct term, but you get what I'm saying. You kind of pull it back yeah. and, you know, give a little bit of a broader spectrum. So we had a day where everybody was doing stuff and then y'all spend a week, you know, what what's everybody doing in the space of this week rather than in the space of each individual day, especially if you're going to have a lot of downtime, like two weeks or a month or something like that in between, um, the you know more active adventures you don't want to focus in on every single day in that two weeks or in that you know month period you can just kind of take it a week at a time um, and go around the table and say you know what are you doing this week what are you doing this week etc um, yeah. that, that actually kind of brings me to my next point and it was something i meant to bring up in our dm tips i referenced in uh, our players tips and that that's the idea or the concept of a roaming spotlight um, so you want to essentially give each of your players a chance to do things as their character um, and a chance to shine as their character as well. Um, so you want to make sure that you're kind of going around the table, uh, so to speak, or if you're on a virtual uh, tabletop system like Roll20 or uh, Fantasy Grounds or something like that, then you can maybe just have your characters like roll initiative and then kind of go through the initiative order. Um, but you want to essentially take time with each character to make sure that they are getting a chance to do a thing at least um, within their downtime. And sometimes people are just like, you know, I don't really have anything to do in the downtime. So I'm just, you know, going to go hang out in the bar and have a good time. And that's totally fine as well. Um, I mean, you know, just drinking or carousing or whatever. Those are downtime activities too. For um, sure. And I was kind of thinking, kind this is kind of backing up a bit, mm -hmm. but I think the, the thing I sort of realized eventually was that um, no matter what the like actual like amount of downtime uh, is, most players can probably think of just, I think this is kind of piggybacking off something you said, Mike, but like most players can think of like one like central activity that is the main thing they want to be doing right. during that downtime even if it's extended right mm -hmm, for sure because yeah wizards have the easiest time of this because they're like well i'm gonna copy down some spells of course <laughs> right or i'm gonna go yeah. do some research or you know whatever um yeah so yeah and, and that that is um fairly accurate i'd say from my experience generally speaking players will have one or maybe two things that they'll really focus on in the downtime um so um you can sort of go through you know a week and say you know what are you doing this week cool you're you know off carousing for a few days or you're you know in uh the workshop and you're crafting or you know whatever it is and that'll take up an amount of time um, and then you can say, okay, well, that week passed. Now let's move on to the next week. Is there anything different than anyone would like to do? Um, so again, you're kind of controlling the scope of the events um, that take place during your downtime, regardless of you know how much downtime you have. So if the players just have a day, cool. What's everybody doing today? If the players have two weeks. Maybe start with a day and then expand that to a week or you know both weeks or ho however it works out. Um, you don't want to put too much pressure on your players. And the same thing with like the I know a guy rule, same goes for their downtime activities. You don't want to keep forcing them to come up with things that they're doing. Yeah, that's always something. Uh, 
this is kind of a related problem to when I was doing like downtime by like day by day is I was also I think in a sense giving players a bit too much freedom mm-hmm. you know sometimes when I'm GMing like I tend to take a bit of a like very hands-off attitude in a way that doesn't always work mm-hmm. like especially with downtime like if my attitude towards downtime as a GM is kind of like, I don't know, what do you want to do? That can be like very like broad in a way mm-hmm. that's very similar to like new players. We've talked about um, new players like starting out in tabletop gaming and just not really having a sense for what's possible. Right. In, in the broadest sense of the term, like... And I think with downtime that I was sort of steering the players into that problem specifically where they're just like, I don't know, man, (laughs) what should I be doing? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it definitely, the uh, option paralysis is a real thing, especially when it comes to downtime. So that's why I kind of like to throw out some suggestions about, you know, activities that are options you know who wants to go carousing or does anybody want to do any crafting or you know are you guys shopping for anything today or you know stuff like that to kind of give them the players tidbits of things that they paths that they can take or things they can do during downtime um without saying okay you know what do you guys want to do today have let's let's have some fun because uh, sure. that can be overwhelming for sure like you said you know it can, it can especially if you're the gm and then they're like i'd like to ensure i'd like to infiltrate the local thieves guild just because <laughs> surely this can be done quickly and with a minimum of preparation on your part <laughs> that never actually happened yeah. but yeah. uh that would be kind of a nightmare um, it would yeah it really would especially if it's taking place during everyone else's downtime um, but I mean, with that said, you know, don't don't be afraid to mix things up and find ways to make things exciting in the downtime. Um, so some examples, I mean, just as a reminder, you know, pit fighting is a downtime activity, right? So your fighters or your barbarians or paladins or whoever, your monks, you know, whatever, um, they can get engaged in some pit fighting and, you know, be off beating some people up and having a good time if that's their thing. Um and there are other ways to incorporate, like, uh, you know, random social encounters that kind of spur the party to do certain things. Like maybe someone gets pickpocketed and then they have to chase down the uh, the thief that stole their money. And that kind of turns into its own little mini side quest. You know, you, you don't want these things to kind of take up the whole session, but they can be fun, like 10 to 20 minute, you know, events uh, and encounters that... Um, that happened for the party for sure pit fighting is always a fun one and i think it's a very (laughs) like i think it's very baked into the like i don't want to say like anything too like broad like the history of the game itself or like but i think it's something that's very common to a lot of the like fiction that tends to underpin a lot of what D D is like drawing on like as sure. a like as a like cluster of tropes that like are the foundation of D D. I think there's a lot of like pit fighting or like Coliseum type scenarios involved in that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, and, and things like that can, you know, they can make an otherwise slow session kind of speed up a little bit, right? Whereas, you know, a lot of the session will be spent maybe bartering with a shopkeeper or, you know, this one player trying to craft a magic item or something like that. You know, those can be sort of arduous tasks in a way and eat up a lot of time. Um, but something like, you know, pit fighting or, you know, some other sort of exciting activity can sort of ramp up the stakes again and make it a little bit more of a fun uh, moment or event for some of the players there. Um, especially if they're, um, you know, maybe not so inclined to the social aspects of downtime, if they're not going to go and, you know, talk to NPCs or, um, you know, whatever, they want to still swing their sword around and hit something, well, pit fighting. Go go get in some fights and make some money off of it. And, you know, some sometimes people can have fun with that. For sure. Um, I think that touches, too, on just... Um a point I sort of want to make from the player's perspective. Mm -hmm. I've talked a bit in previous episodes, I think it was a couple weeks ago when we were talking about combat basics, about like um, if you have time where you're not really in on the thing, um, this can be a good time for you to kind of like sit back and recharge and do what you need to so that you have a bit more oh, yeah. of an idea of what you're going to be doing the next time that the roving spotlight, as it were, is kind of on you. Um, and just as kind of as a sub point to that slash overarching rule zero, don't be a dick like point of that. Just like if somebody's doing something in their downtime that doesn't really speak to you or doesn't really engage you that much, just be cool, basically. Right. Like, yeah. Let let the person do their thing because it you might not be engaged with it, but it could be something they're super engaged with. So you don't want to um, stop that from having fun. For sure. Oh. Yeah. No, that's a, a really good point. Um, and kind of um, building off of a lot of these things. Another thing is just like for DMs, you know, you just make space for your players to do cool stuff and do fun and exciting things so if there are players that really enjoy like that sort of um you know noirish espionage type stuff like give them some cool things to do in town that will kind of intrigue them and get them wrapped up in some mystery or something that's going on um in the town that's not necessarily going to you know, affect the overarching story, but it can be kind of a fun uh, detail just to make your world feel more lived in. Um, or if you have a player that is a rogue and likes to get into trouble, like give them stuff to go do and get into trouble with, right? You, you along with the roaming spotlight, you want to make sure that that is a spotlight, right? Like it's not just giving each player time to do something, it's giving each player time to do something cool and exciting for them. Um, so find ways to incorporate the things that your your players enjoy doing and, you know, give them the space that they need to have fun in it. Yeah, for sure. This is, a, I was about to say, this is a really good opportunity to just find those things that, like, your players do like and find a way to, like, cater to that. Yeah, exactly. Like, very specifically. I know I've talked before about, like, it's like maybe 
in kind of a more like mechanical context, you know, where it's like if your player has some sort of build or some sort of ability that it's that they thought maybe was going to be cool, but they don't use much like you can kind of cater to that somehow. And downtime's a good way to maybe not solve that sort of specific problem, but um, just uh, a ways to give your players more of the stuff that they like about playing D&D. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, kind of to that point, it can be a good way for you to gauge the things that your players enjoy uh, by what they choose to do with their downtime. Um, so you can kind of be taking some mental notes as the players are doing stuff and seeing what, uh, you know, is really fun for them. Just, you know, kind of take note of that so that whenever you get the chance to uh, incorporate those sorts of things again, then you can kind of pull from that and, and sprinkle that into your game and make your players have a more enjoyable time. So for sure. Yeah. I, I was also thinking too, um, if you do have a situation where maybe you have a big bulk of debt, say it's maybe like, I don't know, like two or three weeks ish. Um, where there's just kind of a forced downtime where it's not necessarily enough for players to do that much crafting or like learning new prof I forget the like proficiency like learning rule ad yeah, hoc. Yeah, I should have had Xanathar's guide with me here, but it's it's something like a number of work weeks depending on how complex the thing is that they're I yeah, I have it right here. Give me a sec. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I would like to build on your point there, but I'm not quite sure what you were, were leading to. Um, but what uh, I was leading to was like there are there may be situations where it's good to have like a one shot handy, even mm, if it's still mm, kind of in okay. downtime generally, where you just For have sure. like. If you have kind of an awkward amount of it, it might be nice to like sneak kind of a one shot, like one session quickie adventure yeah, in there. Some little small adventures that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can incorporate small little, you know, a small little dungeon crawl or a quick job that the party is going to do over, you know, a day or two. And it's just one session but it's kind of eating up some of the time where they are um, spending in between events that happen in their big uh, adventures. For sure. All right. I found the re I found what I believe is the relevant text from okay. Xanathar's. <clears throat> Page 134. <laughs> okay. Receiving training in a language or tool typically takes at least 10 work weeks, comma, but this time is reduced by a number of work weeks equal to a character's intelligence modifier, parens, an intelligence penalty doesn't increase the time needed, parens, period. Training costs 20 GP per work week, period. Okay, there you go. Everybody needed the punctuation there. It's vital, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that's a, a good point. I mean, it's... You know, training in a new skill or something can take uh, several weeks. So maybe, you know, the party doesn't always have time for something like that. Or crafting can take some time as well, depending on what you're crafting. Uh, but you can maybe have a couple weeks of downtime and, you know, like Rob was saying, throw some, some small um, 
adventures in there, like a one shot or even like some social encounters, send the party to a party, right? Like send them to a noble's ball that they get invited to. And who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, not necessarily anything that's spurring them off to their next adventure, although maybe it is. Um, but it can just be kind of a fun little one session thing that happens in between the bigger sections of the uh, adventure of the campaign. For sure. Um, and, and, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking, because I just had the thought, too, regarding the, like, crafting rules. And, like, I think... I forget which one of the core books has this sort of thing. I know the DMG has like some pretty ghastly like um, time constraints for oh, how long yeah, it takes to atrocious. create a magic item. But I think my broader point was that um, just remember all the rules are suggestions. If you feel that like your players want to be doing more crafting of stuff, but the demands of whatever the campaign or the story aren't giving them enough time to uh, do that sort of stuff, fudge it. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely hand wave a lot of those things. You, you don't have to stick to exactly the rules as laid out by all the, um, the core books or the supplements for sure. Yeah, because I think making things I think is kind of fun, but like, yeah, especially even with the revised rules, it seems like, oh man, at least the way I run things, I tend to not give my players that much downtime just right. because right. part of it is part of my, like part of my style, I think is very, oh shit, the bad guys are going to do this and then everybody's going to die and you guys have to be working on this stuff right now or else, you know, very bad things will happen. Right, for Which sure. Which is, you know, that's a me problem. That's not like... <laughs> no, I, I think that's, uh, you know, a fairly common way of running uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaign is, you know, there is a, at least a little bit of a timetable, right? So the players don't always have 10 weeks to put into learning a new skill or crafting a magic item or whatever. Um, so if you, if they really want to do that and you want to let them do that, don't let the rules get in the way of letting that happen. Um, Cause you're the dungeon master. You can do whatever you want. That's how this game works. It's true, <laughs> uh, but don't be a dick. Right. Yeah. Always abide by rule one. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and just to, to kind of piggyback off of the idea of, like, sprinkling in some adventures, though, um, I also like to have, uh, or it can be interesting, rather, to find, you know, ways to include nonviolent interactions with either the big bad or some of his lackeys. Um, so if you put the players in a situation, like, let's say they're in water deep in the middle of the day, and the laws in Waterdeep are if you draw your weapons that is committing a crime so if you get into a fight in Waterdeep unless you have a way of getting away quickly you're probably going to end up getting arrested and, and thrown in jail for a couple of days um, or whatever you know gets la laid out uh, in the groundwork actually Waterdeep Dragon Heist has a really great section where it lays out all the a lot of the crimes and the penalties for them as well so um, use those resources if you have them but um you can find ways to put your players in situations where they can't necessarily, 
you know, throw down with the big bad or with some of his lackeys. And they have to find ways to interact with them in a nonviolent way. Um, and that can be a lot of fun as a way of kind of torturing your players. Uh, if you're a sadist like I am, uh, um, but uh, yeah, so there, there are ways to kind of throw in some things like that that will make downtime, you know, juicy and, and exciting, but not going to necessarily make it turn into, a, a th you know, a knockdown drag out with the big bad or with some of his lackeys or cultists or whatever. Yeah, that's always fun. I think this touches on one of the my main like concerns as a GM is just like, how do you get like how do you get your players to really want to have it in for your villains, right? <laughs> Instead sure. of just like, well, that's part of the thing and we this is what we do. We hang out and we roll the dice and we go fight the thing, which I mean is also fun. But for me as a DM, I was just like, how do we get like it's like, no, I want I want these guys like really like you know, champing at the bit, as it were. For sure, yeah. It's always fun when your players really hate the big bad. Um, so if you can find ways to have them have some sort of confrontation with the big bad or with some of his underlings or whatever, um, uh, then that can be a way to kind of fan the flames uh, that are already there, sort of spurring them on to go and, and fight them. Um for sure. Nonviolent confrontation. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry to, to clarify nonviolent confrontation there for sure. Um, and that actually kind of leads into another point of being able to um, sort of lay groundwork or sprinkle in some breadcrumbs that will lead the party on to the next section of their adventure. Um, you know, I, as a DM, I like to have a hook at the end of each uh, session that will kind of spur the party to, you know, continue on. Um, it doesn't always have to be a major cliffhanger, but it can just be some sort of little tantalizing details. Um, so, you know, if the party is going on and doing some uh, carousing and uh, they're having a good time, and then all of a sudden they come across something that is like a little bit of a, a clue or you know, references an issue that they're, the campaign overall is dealing with, um, then that can be a way to sort of remind them that, oh, we do have this bigger task at hand that we have to go and take care of, um, or giving them clues to the idea that there is something bigger. Because sometimes, you know, they, the party will finish a an adventure or a section of the campaign and maybe not know what else is, is coming their way um, that you as the DM have planned. So you can use some of the downtime to um, sprinkle in those tidbits that will uh, entice the party to chase after them and, and continue on to the next section of the adventure. For sure. Yeah. And I would say as well, kind of, um, if you feel... This might be playing the cart before the horse a bit, but if you are also starting to feel that like the um downtime itself has kind of like run its course, like um you're as the GM you're always allowed to like just be like, Okay, we're moving on to the next thing now. You mm -hmm. don't have to like you don't have to be nervous or like 
Um, you don't have to be nervous or timid or like apologetic about it. You can just go ahead and do it. Me, sometimes when I'm running, I am just kind of like, well, dang, man. This is kind of tying into what I was saying earlier about not Mm -hmm. wanting to like guide my players too much. Because I do kind of tend sometimes to be like, gee, man, I'm not your supervisor or anything. I can't (laughs) like, yeah, I can't tell you, man. Like, that's between you and your um, patron deity or whatever. For but sure, it's okay yeah. and like you can kind of you can kind of hustle you can always kind of hustle things along yeah exactly to, to kind of go back to my point earlier of like you as the dm get to decide the scope of the amount of time that is passing um so if the players kind of get to the point where they have run out of stuff that they want to do and in your game world they still have you know four weeks before the next thing that they're waiting to happen you can just fast forward and skip ahead to that next thing happening. You don't necessarily have to drag out all of the downtime. The The idea of a downtime session or sessions is just to give the party a, as much of a breather as they need in between the more intense adventure sections. Um, you're, you're not trying to make them you know, pass every single day and figure out what they're doing through you know, their day-to-day lives while they're waiting for the next thing to happen. Um, Cause that can, that can get really arduous for, for everybody involved. And they're just like, Oh, well, we've already done all of the carousing and I've done all of my crafting and I, you know, did all the shopping that I want to do. Like, Jesus, do we have to keep doing these downtime activities? And the answer is no, you don't. Um, no. You can fast forward and skip ahead to the next chapter and get things going from there. Absolutely. Yeah, which again, real problem when you're running downtime. Like, okay, what are we doing today, guys? All right, <laughs> right. great. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I guess to to kind of feed on on that and what I said earlier about giving the players the reins, like you you do want to allow them to have freedom, but not too much freedom, um, and you don't want to get them in a point where they have the option paralysis. You you want them to be able to do what they want to do, and then move on to the next thing and, and keep it you know moving otherwise the uh the downtime sessions can really start to drag out and people will get you know they'll disengage from the game and be on their phones or you know doing whatever mm-hmm. um so this yeah. all sounds very familiar <laughs> yeah I say this from experience of running shitty downtime sessions as well i i don't want to ever yeah make give anyone the impression that i always know what i'm doing and i always have um oh yeah for (laughs) sure we've all make mistake we've all made mistakes part of running games is making a bunch of mistakes and having sessions that fall flat yeah if you're like me too you spend the next week being like uh i hate i don't like this term in my like advanced years because it's very dismissive and kind of stupid and glib but I would like being kind of an emo kid about it, you know, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. man, if only I were good at running games, we could have so we could be having so much fun. If only I were able to like, you know, <laughs> f- both ensure maximal fun while also sticking as true to my vision for how this game should go as possible at all times. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think a good tip to add in here then is uh, don't don't worry if things get to the point where they're dragging a little bit, or you know if you notice that people are starting to disengage from uh, the downtime session, you know find some of these other tips that we've given you on how to make things interesting again, or just skip ahead to the next chapter and you know move on uh, in the story. Um, you know, like Rob said, we're all going to have some game sessions that fall a little bit flat. But as you keep playing and as you keep learning about the game, you'll eventually get to the point where, you know, you're not having a full session that falls flat often. Um, but it'll maybe be, you know, a moment or two within the session and you can recognize that things are falling flat uh, and learn how to pick things up and make things a little bit spicier from there. For sure. That said, too, um, just remember as well, your players are probably having fun. Yeah. In general, you know? So don't, yeah, we're not trying to, I, yeah, I guess I can't speak for Mike. I'm not trying to talk about when a session isn't going that great to say that, like, this is a super common thing and, like, most players hate most GMs and, like, it's, like, some sort of, like, fraught experiments <laughs> of awesome. Like, I found most of the time that I ran sessions that I didn't like very much, the players were still, you know, mostly having a good enough time. So, you know, and you always want to, you still always want to be like improving your craft and honing it, but like, it's okay when it's not perfect. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up over it. Certainly. Um, and, and give, give yourself and give the players more credit than you think you should. Um, because this is, just a game at the end of the day right you know we're all just here to have a good time um we, we don't need to uh hang the balance of our sanity over you know whether we had a good session or not um, and if you get to that point where you're beating yourself up then it's it's okay to take a break and step back and say like hey i'm a little bit too stressed out about this uh let me step back we'll end the session here and you know we'll just chill for a little while and uh come back to this next time uh, and pick up from there sure yep i've had to do that it was fun it wasn't but you know like <laughs> yeah it was no, it was it necessary be... and people understood so yeah, absolutely yeah. i i think that um something that doesn't get talked about enough is like how much mental energy it takes to run a DD game so if you get to the point where you know, you're kind of mentally tapped or you're stressing yourself out too much, like you should always feel free to hit the pause button in some way or another, whether that be, you know, taking a break or ending the session or, you know, whatever. Um, don't wear yourself out and don't get yourself all worked up about not being able to, um, to de deliver on the type of session that you want. Because, um, like we said earlier, chances are your players are having a pretty good time. Um, and, you know, if you're at the end of your rope, they're probably going to be understanding that you need to call it. Um, so don't don't worry about, like, um, you know, offending your players if you need to take a break. Because they want you to have as much of a good time as you want them to have a good time. For sure. Yeah. I kind of want to pick your brain, Mike, a bit about shopping 
I know we didn't talk okay, about yeah. this too much beforehand, but yeah, we kind of really, and definitely that's a major part of downtime. So let's let's talk about it. Yeah, because I was kind of, uh, yeah, I was just gonna describe my kind of like shopping process and was kind of looking for your thoughts or reactions or kind of get, yeah, kind of again pick your brain on how you do it because, yeah, the way I tend to look at it is, um. It's weird because, like, acquiring, like, gold and treasure is so baked into the DNA of the game. And, like, and it's always, like, presented as, like, kind of its own, like, reward, right? And Mm -hmm. and in a fashion, like, even though you can't, it's not real money, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you don't, you don't get to, like, spend it elsewhere. So, um... But, like, I kind of, like, ooh, oh, my God. I'm so sorry to you all out there. As you maybe noticed, I did that thing where I started talking, and then I, when I started talking, I swear to God, I had my point that I was building to all ready to go. It was chilling out, hanging in back there, and then I kept going, and then I was still talking, and then I forgot what that point was for a second, and then I was like, well, you better figure out what your point is now, man, because you're still talking. Surely you are building to something. I swear to Christ, if you're fucking not, I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to fucking throw my phone out of this... uh, car or whatever <laughs> i really hope uh, you're not in a car right now That'd yeah be a very strange place to report a, record a podcast from. it's uh, true well i mean listen to a podcast oh well though. yeah listening to yeah, yeah, yeah if you're I, listening I to the podcast you were saying from the, the listener's perspective I guess I meant. Okay. But, well first off stay uh, the fuck home man there's a pandemic out i mean people exactly. have business and they need to go places but also and you, you know if you're listening in the future and there's no more pandemic then congratulations we all made it this far uh hallelujah um, yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i'll I, believe I, it I think, when i see it yeah for sure um we're definitely Sorry. gonna end up in a cyberpunk dystopia where we're all wearing like gas masks all the time um but you know what i'm here for that so that's fine branded gas masks though like (laughs) it wouldn't be the true it wouldn't be the true cyberpunk dystopian experience if you weren't also forced to carry water for somebody's marketing department without (laughs) exactly you have Uh, to pay them and you need this gas mask man they don't mm -hmm. hand these out you know uh, this got yeah. weird and dark. <laughs> Speaking of having to buy things, though, shopping. Yeah, shopping. Yeah. Games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I got my point back. All of this is to say is like I take shopping kind of seriously because if you're supposed to, if this treasure is supposed to be a reward, then like you have to make something tangible out of that. I used For to be sure. a real, I used to be a real hard ass in terms of like regulating the kind of like um magic items and stuff people could get um Mm -hmm. but i've kind of stopped doing that one is oh boy do we have time for me to go on this rant now because (laughs) I, i want to i want to like get into all the granularities of why i disliked running tyranny of dragons very very much <laughs> because we'll this all this kind of all ties everything episode. together 
Um, what was that? Sorry. I said maybe we'll save the granular things about Tyranny of Dragons for another episode. But if you yeah. are you able to kind of summarize some of your points maybe about shopping specifically? Yeah. So like I used again, I used to be a real hard ass about it. But then I realized it's like you can still give people magic items, especially if they're in a situation where they have more money than they could reasonably spend on just about anything else, you know? Yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. if you're think if you're taking all of the like values as written, and if you're if even if once the party's treasure is like in the thousands, they can be buying mm-hmm. some like real stuff at this point. Right. Um. That's. It's sorry to interrupt you, but that is one of the kind of the issues that I have with rules as written for when it comes to shopping. Uh, the prices for magic items are ridiculous. Um, so there are some resources uh, online, and, and Xanathar's kind of fixes this a little bit, but it still has a, kind of its own uh, expensiveness issues. Um, but find ways to make magic items somewhat more affordable to your party. Um, you don't want to, you know, have them be able to get access to legendary items at like fifth level by any yeah. means. But you you should, I don't know. I, I personally think that it's fine to make magic items available uh, for purchase, especially if you're in a high magic setting like the Forgotten Realms or like Eberron, where there's just magic everywhere then yeah people are gonna be crafting these magic items so like mm-hmm. you know anything up to a rare uh, rarity of magic item uh, as far as DD is concerned should be available somewhere um, when it gets to like very rare then like maybe and then legendary obviously you're not going to be able to buy legendary items in a shop um in my opinion yeah um, uh, no definitely not but you, I was, you should find a way to make those af- more affordable more accessible to your your players so that's my right. my spiel there sorry to interrupt yeah. you no 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 it's cool and what i was gonna say is partially um first off like you said if i'm dming in the forgotten realms it's high magic is all get out so there's no point in being like oh no you can't possibly buy a plus one longsword or whatever they don't make those anymore <laughs> right but i do te- i do still tend to take an attitude of like you can buy nice things but you find the best stuff oh absolutely yeah like so i still kind of temper it usually the rhythm i settled into um with my players is a lot of times they tell me it's like i'd kind of like to go shopping for either a nice weapon or like a um a nice weapon or some sort of wondrous item or something that does something kind of specific occasionally i will indulge my players um the like um metagaming (laughs) thing of like hey so i was like in my own time in like life i was reading about up on some magic items and i heard this one exists is there any way Mm -hmm. i could maybe go shopping for this one right like i'll indulge that sometimes but what i often like to do is just like take the broad thing of what they want and see if there's something i'd be cool with giving them for sure so like say um and then uh example next example next finish your point 
Example. I, I have an example I could throw in there actually, if okay, if mind. okay, because um, I I kind of do this as well, where you know the players will say like, oh, I I want something that you know gives me better armor class, and you know maybe I don't, you know, my character that doesn't wear armor, um, and I don't get shields, you know, what can I do? I'm like, okay, well, you can, get, you know, if they're gonna go shopping and looking for something. I'll give them maybe a ring of protection, which is like gives them a plus one. But then I also know in the back of my mind that I need to put some braces of defense somewhere in the next dungeon that they go to so that that person can get something that gives them a better armor class. Sure. Does that kind of fit in with what you're getting at there, Rob? Yeah, a little bit, because this is one of those things where, again, if the best stuff is found, then, like, if they ask for something vaguely specifically, you can, like, maybe give them something, like, okay at first, and then later on have them, like, find a thing? Is that kind exactly. of what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm getting at, because I think, if I remember correctly, um, the ring of protection is a plus one to your AC, but the braces of defense is a plus two item to your AC. So uh, it just gives them that extra boost like down the road. That's a little bit better than the thing they were able to go and buy in the store is something that they found in a treasure chest during an adventure. Word. Or looting off of the corpse of some enemy. You know, stuff like that. For sure. Fifth edition is wild, man. This shit all stacks. This is a (laughs) whole other thing, but like... (laughs) Ah, man. The days of like, does it stack? Those are gone. (laughs) Anyway, uh, <laughs> I said about certain things in fifth edition, but yeah. yeah. So a lot of times I will find something like kind of like weird or off the beaten path. First off, I love just like, even when it's like a finding situation, I love giving the players like weird magic items. That, oh, like, for sure. Yeah. And just seeing what they think of them. And this yep. is kind of a feeling out process. Sometimes I like cater it specifically to specific players it's like this is just very useful for you and you will appreciate the shit out of this right and i know that this person is going to find some really creative ways to use this jug of alchemy that i'm giving to them so Mm -hmm. go to town um you know and then two sessions later the barbarian is lathered in mayonnaise so you know for sure i was actually going to bring up the mayonnaise thing because it strikes me that like even in like a high fantasy setting like we have no real sense of the like food scene or like the condiment game specifically right <laughs> right i'm serious like <laughs> yeah no I, I laugh because it's true not because i doubt you no. yeah i just keep like assuming it's like i don't know you can get most things like you know if you want a pizza sure i mean it's gonna be wood fired <laughs> and all that obviously but for sure Anyway, so, like, when they're buying some of these weirder items, it's like, I just want a really nice sword or whatever. We had a situation where um, one of our players didn't... It wasn't a cursed sword, but it was sentient and evil. (laughs) He was trying to do a trade-in, so I grabbed, like, (laughs) the Sword of Sharpness. And what's... what? This is a fun role-playing thing for me, I guess, because this way I get to, like, be a, like fake salesman for this magic item if they don't have identified they don't actually know what it is right you know too and and even like most shopkeepers are not going to let a spellcaster cast identify on their magic item in their store right like you're going to be able to play that salesman character and give that pitch so yeah oh whoa 
I didn't even think of that until just now. And I didn't think of it. You just pointed it out. Shit. I guess not, huh? <laughs> I mean, out. it might be one of those things where it's like if it's this high-end classy boutique and if the like wizard or whoever is like, you don't mind if I, you know, verify the merchandise. They'll be like, oh, please, of course, you right, know, sort right. of thing. But and if then it's some like shady vendor that's trying to get rid of, you know, a sentient magic item that he doesn't want anymore, then no, he's not going to let the party cast For identify sure. on that they got to take him at his word yeah there was also the time where like i almost got uh the ranger to buy like a plus two longbow or something it was something nice like that but they would be, have been buying it from a like disguised devil <laughs> and then uh, by the time by the time i got to like okay well just wait and i did it like it was a car dealership where you go in and you kind of like see the merchandise and then you kind of are forced to sit around for a while and like stew in your own juices. And then eventually mm-hmm. the one was like, okay, well, if you're interested, I'll just uh, drop the paperwork in a bit here. And then they're like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Paperwork. More ways to, yeah. Yeah. That, that's another neat trick. Everybody can have it for free. I'm not, Yeah sometimes your vendors are devils uh that actually just to point out one of my favorite npcs from uh not this current campaign but the last one that we played which was the smiling man i didn't give him any other name or anything like that never really introduced himself he was a sort of mystical magic item shop keeper uh that would just sort of appear whenever the party was well our warlock specifically was looking for interesting and magic uh items uh what a strange and unusual plant um and he didn't he didn't charge any money for anything but everything that he sold or gave away was cursed in some way or he would make bargains with the players to perform certain tasks for them cast the gayest spell on them to make them do things um that he wanted done so yeah you could get magic items for free in terms of gold but there definitely was some sort of cost to that and it was a lot of fun playing with both with the warlock and a couple other players that would kind of come along for those sessions as well uh and that's where i think you guys got the deck of many things from him as well so oh the fucking deck of many things (laughs) (laughs) yeah we should have a brief discussion about the deck of many things first off i I wanted to point out what the awful at the same time yeah first off i wanted to point out about the devils thing too like i wouldn't i didn't do that just to do it right it was because Mm -hmm. the player in question was being very insistent about trying to buy something i didn't really want to give him at that particular Mm -hmm. point that's a good way to do it like it seems like the idea of like signing over some sort of entering into some sort of thing with any devil or other you know extra planar deity not deity entity different same word no different (laughs) word same suffix jesus christ i'm a disaster anyway all right yeah all right i gotta stop beating myself up it's bad (laughs) don't we all it's Um, we it's weird because i think the like this is not necessarily about just about downtime but i think the like teachable moment here or whatever is that it is you would think that like 
players would probably be like genre savvy enough to not necessarily go for it and that's mm-hmm. not always necessarily true if you dangle something that they want badly enough in front of them oh absolutely uh i mean i i also play in a, a game um where there is another player who actively seeks out cursed items uh and his fun is by in some ways making the worst decision possible or and knowing that it's a bad decision and doing it anyway just to see what terrible things the dm comes up with for him um so and it can it, it is it's a lot of fun sometimes when he takes it too far it gets a little annoying but i still i try as best as possible to just let him have his fun um and so far it doesn't you know hasn't ruined the game by any means um it's made for some interesting uh sessions and some consequences that have come up come up as a result but uh yeah that's that's his fun so let let him do that first for sure that's a good um and another thing about shopping and something that i try to avoid letting the players get away with as much as possible uh, and that is haggling with the shopkeepers i really hate playing a shopkeeper and having the players haggle with them so if they try to haggle i will usually find a way to shut them down quickly it's like no this is the price that i'm setting for this thing and i think that comes from being someone who is like an artist and you know a writer and a creative person where people try to get stuff from you for free or for cheap <laughs> yeah it's for like sure. no this is my livelihood man <laughs> like i set yeah. these prices this way for a reason and it should be that same way for your shopkeepers mm-hmm. um you shouldn't just let the NP- the players walk all over these npcs just because um you know they are the players and they want to get the stuff right uh, feel free to kind of be a stickler about the prices for things. Um, for sure. Uh, and, uh, unless you have a player, a party of murder hobos, I guess, in which case they're probably going to intimidate or beat up the uh, shopkeeper and get what they want anyway. Um, but that's a whole other mess of problems that we don't need to get into right now. Yeah, I suppose. I, uh, yeah, I uh, started doing that pretty early on the last time I GM too it was just like no this is what it costs occasionally I will yep. what I'll often do I don't mind the haggling as much because I do kind of like I do come from come at it from the standpoint of like well they're not like there's I mean <sighs> this is a sticky one because like the economics of D&D are just fucked no matter what. <laughs> like, true. There's That's no way any true. of this makes a lick of microeconomic sense. <laughs> so I do tend to make the assumption in a lot of situations, especially if it is something more expensive, of like, okay, there's like there's like significant like costs added onto this, so there that does provide some wiggle room, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can maybe haggle some, but I, I guess my point is don't let the, I, I don't like when players tried to lowball the shopkeeps and just spend as little money as possible. You need to make a point that these things cost money for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, 
So there's that and yeah, you gotta shut that shit down right away. Yeah. Because again, I mostly for like yeah, like kinda like you said, it's a verisimilitude problem. Mm-hmm. Like no shopkeepers aren't going to put up with that in general. Maybe yeah, maybe they uh, you know, know some guys who's good at removing thumbs, you know? Things like that. <laughs> right. Or maybe not that. That's a little extreme, but yeah. My point is, yeah, nobody would actually put up with that ever to the point that, like, it doesn't matter that this is a fantasy world where dragons are flying overhead and, like, the mushrooms talk and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> right. nobody's putting up with that. Right. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, like bundling things together, I'll give discounts on sometimes, but I'm not just going to let, you know, a person that wants, oh, this one sword try to keep making persuasion checks to talk the shopkeep down in their price right like when i'm doing this i'm going to set a price point to start with and then in my head i'm going to say maybe you know the shopkeep isn't going to go below x amount so no matter what gets rolled or no matter what the player does they're going to spend at least this much on it minimum so for sure just yeah. things to keep in mind as you're running some some shopkeeping um sessions yeah. or sections of your downtime and and honestly like i for me the haggling is not super just it's not fun it's not an enjoyable thing to spend a lot of time on um if that is your thing and if that's your player's thing then go to town you know have have fun in your own way don't let my opinion stop you from doing that um, but I, I think in general, even if that is something that you enjoy, just be aware that there should be some limitations to the haggling uh, and be aware that if it's taking too much time in this one interaction, it might be detracting from, you know, letting the other players do stuff. So just just keep all those things in mind if you are going to spend some time haggling. You don't want to spend an hour doing it. if that, That's no good yeah for sure and just to kind of highlight something you sort of implied there one charisma check per person basically yep exactly just don't like no they can't reattempt that shit also my dog is here and his snake is very squeaky and (laughs) i I think i fear the mic might have picked that up (laughs) i i heard that so we'll see if that all right you know what it's fine jordy is very cute and the world needs to know that his he has a snake he Jordy, come on. Cute. Fucking come on, man. <laughs> no. Go downstairs, dude. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Somehow I can uh, somehow not knowing how his brain works, I seem to have convinced him that it is in fact I who wants the snake and he needs to go run downstairs to defend it. So, you know, <laughs> all's well. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, yeah, so we've, we've kind of touched on pretty much everything uh, related to downtime here. Any any parting words um, from you, Rob? Uh, one charisma check per person. Just don't let mm-hmm. it. Yeah, don't go nuts. That's the big one. I just want to <laughs> hammer that one again because otherwise we'll be here all day. One charisma check per person and we'll try to like when you have like extended downtime, try and get each player to think of like one or maybe two major things that they're trying to get done with that time. 
Uh, yeah, and I will echo that exactly. I mean, let every player do something to, uh, you know, spend some time on um, and give them a chance to shine, find a way to make that thing that they're interested in, in doing fun. Um, and yeah, if you notice that things start to drag, then just move along. You, you don't need to worry about making sure that all of the downtime is exhausted. If people are kind of done with stuff, then just wrap it up and move on to the next thing from there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been a little bit of a look at uh, how to keep downtime fun and interesting. Uh, thanks for listening in. We are once again, 19 hits the dragon. Um, you can uh, reach out to us and contact us if you want. We have a Twitter, which is 19 hits the dragon or sorry, at 19 hits the dragon. Again, the number 19 hits the dragon. Um, same goes for our Gmail address, which is just 19 hits the dragon at gmail.com. Um, so feel free to uh, to reach out to us, talk, talk to us on social media. I run our Twitter account. Rob kind of handles the uh, the Gmail. So however you want to reach out to us uh, would be great. And we love engaging with, uh, with our listeners. Um, and, and to that point, if you have uh, found what we've said useful or entertaining, entertaining at all, um, leave a like leave a comment a uh, rating review you know whatever you you feel inclined to do uh, wherever you get your podcast because we always appreciate feedback 100 percent. all right uh, and uh this show is uh mixed and edited by hannah miller uh theme music by paul mackey and uh remember to like comment and subscribe <laughs> all right yeah thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next time on 19 hits the dragon Peace. Bye-bye.